Well, here we are again on Zoom. What a week it's been. There doesn't seem to be a lot of good news around at the moment. And it feels like we'll be in lockdown for some time yet. But I'm very heartened by the shared love, prayers and faith demonstrated on the Hope WhatsApp group. God is in control and better times will come. When the world feels like it's crumbling around us, do we count our blessings? Do we fully appreciate how blessed we are? I believe that Jesus spent 33 years on the earth to experience our full humanity. He understands our struggles, fears, hopes and disappointments. And we who have placed our faith and hope in Jesus are always in his care. Even in understanding our struggles and temptations, the gospel does not offer a soft option, an easy life, a life without pain. Matthew 7.13 reads, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And any enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. And Matthew 19, 24 says, It is easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. A good reason to feel blessed if we're not rich. When the lottery started up many, many years ago, I was tempted to get a ticket. After all, what harm could winning the lottery do? I told God that if I were to win, I could give half of it away. But God said, would you give 75% of it away? Well, yes, okay, of course. It would depend on how much I win. God then asked, would you give 100% away? Well, I'm not sure about 100%. God replied, well, then the money has power over you. Needless to say, I never bought a lottery ticket. Back to thinking about Jesus. Jesus came to earth to provide a path for salvation. And whilst on earth, he challenged everything about the way people think. We often think of the Sermon on the Mount as being a lovely piece of poetic teaching, but actually a lot of what Jesus said was extremely challenging to the disciples who thought they were doing a good job of living according to the law. I think a lot of what Jesus said is still very challenging to us today. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are those who persecute, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Many are still being persecuted today for their faith in many different countries. 
The World Watch List reported that in 2019, 2,983 Christians were killed for their faith. And a staggering 260 million Christians around the world face persecution for their faith. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of living in the country where we can worship freely. Jesus challenged the disciples with subjects like the following. The law does not, uh, the law says, do not murder. But Jesus says, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. The law says, do not commit adultery. But Jesus says, anyone who has looked at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Wow. I wonder what the disciples made of that. A powerful and challenging word. Jesus is challenging the way the disciples think, and it is not an easy word. But later we read, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus shows the disciples how to manage their way through this difficult new landscape. He showed his disciples how to find a new way of thinking and gave them the ability to achieve what must have sounded difficult. In the same way, when Paul wrote his letter to the Romans 12.1 saying, therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He also showed them how to achieve this when he writes, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. He urges the Romans to offer their lives in the service of God, dying to sin so they can be righteous and pleasing to God. God doesn't need us, but he wants a close relationship with us. As we seek him out, and seek his will, we become closer to him and it becomes easier for us to know what God has planned for us. So how do we renew our minds? When we are born again, we become a new creation through Christ. But the process of growing in knowledge of the word and in faith continues over the whole of our life and so does the renewing of our mind. Sometimes scriptures we have heard or read many times will suddenly become clear in a new way. 
and help us on our journey. We can renew our minds by the reading of the word. Sometimes life invades, the worries of the world infiltrate us, or distractions come along and everything gets skewed and we need to be reminded or to remind ourselves of the truth, the blessings we have in Christ. A week ago, last Saturday, I was out walking the dog in the drizzle. I was feeling rather gloomy. In the distance, I saw a young man who clearly had some kind of disability from the way he was walking. Because my glasses messed up when I wear a mask, I don't wear one. Instead, I stepped to the edge of the pavement to allow people to pass. As this young man went by, I smiled and in a very British way commented that it was a rotten day. He replied that it was a blessing. And I thought, yes, you are right. It is a blessing. And I am here, I am well, I have nothing to feel gloomy about. It was a wonderful reminder to me that when I thank God each morning for the blessing of being alive, regardless of the weather, lockdown, troubles, etc., it lifts my mood and I was reminded what a battleground the mind is. We need to keep our minds focused on the possibilities and blessings of God and captive to the word of God. The mind is a strange thing. It can be duped into thinking things that are frankly not correct. For example, I saw an experiment on TV the other night where 20 sets of twins were invited to test a drink. The scientist made up a drink and put the same drink into two differently labeled bottles. 20 bottles had a luxury label and stated it was high energy and had about 800 calories. And the other 20 bottles were labeled as light and had and was low calorie and contained about 190 calories. All of the bottles contained the same drink. The sets of twins were separated. So one twin would go to one group and the other twin to the other group. And one group was given the high energy drink and the other group was given the light drink. After about an hour and a half, they were all asked how hungry they felt. Those who thought they were given the low calorie drink reported they were feeling peckish and ready for a snack. While those who thought they had consumed 800 calories all reported still feeling very full. Way, this is what the devil does. He tells us lies, sometimes in a very sneaky way. Question is, do we believe him? The devil knows our weaknesses and our strongholds, and he prods at them whenever he gets a chance. But even in this, Jesus has shown us the way. When Jesus went into the wilderness after he was baptized, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. 
He fasted throughout and was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He spoke God's word back to the devil. When the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, he tempted Jesus saying, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil tempts Jesus a third time. To which Jesus answers, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. What a brilliant example of how to deal with the lies of the devil. Quote the word of God back to him. He will not stand a chance. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, we read, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power to demolish strongholds. It goes on to say, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I like that description, to hold captive every thought. In Ephesians 6.10, we read of the armour of God. In 6.16, it reads, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Believing and knowing the word of God, we can win every battle with the word of God. But what is a stronghold? It is a lie that Satan has established in our thinking that we count as true, but is actually a false belief. When we embrace these lies, they affect our attitudes, emotions, and behaviors. And God wants all his children to walk in victory and freedom in their thought lives. So what are these strongholds? Well, they could be areas of temptation or addiction, areas of weakness or a throwback from our past. Any area where we keep repeating the same old mistakes, have the same old fears and have the same bad responses to situations. If we felt rejected as children, for example, we probably have low self-esteem. 
This could impact us by making us afraid to try new things. We could think, I'm not good enough. It will go wrong. I'm not that sort of person. I will fail. I am not worthy. It could also make us feel so certain that our relationships with fa will fail, that we constantly push people away. We test them to prove that we were right, that they will reject us. If we felt unloved as children, we could feel unlovable and find it difficult to know how to show love to others. We could be living with a deep sense of loneliness and maybe even feel jealous of others who appear to have so much love surrounding them. It could make us appear cold or harsh and lacking in compassion. In addition, addiction is another stronghold. It could be drink, cigarettes, gambling, even food. Anything that has a compulsive hold over us. Maybe we have overcome one addiction, but replaced it with a different one. How does that affect the way we feel about being able to succeed in a new addiction? Maybe you experience something terrible like abuse, which has led you to secretly believe that all men are bad. I realize this could apply to women as well. Untrustworthy and even quite useless. Maybe the effect is that you decide you are never going to be abused by anyone again. And that makes you controlling. Nobody's going to do that to you again. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I'm simply imagining how hard it must be to break some of these strongholds. And I wonder, do we even know they exist in our lives? Maybe bitterness has a root cause we don't know about. Or unforgiveness. Maybe we feel we have a right to be angry and not to forgive if we have been hurt or offended. But this is not what God's word says. It says, forgive others as I have forgiven you. Maybe depression is your stronghold. It is something that stops you fully entering to entering into all that God has for you. Maybe you enjoy having a pity party. And when the devil knows we have a stronghold, after all, he's been watching us our whole lives, he will poke and prod and do everything he can to distract us and wear us down. But you know what? The devil may know our past but he does not know our future. Only God knows that, and we can work in relationship with him to build our God-blessed future. We have a choice. God gave us free will. We can choose to tear down all the strongholds in our lives. So what do we do if we want to be sure we are living free from such strongholds? If you think you have no strongholds, ask God to show you if you have any in your life. If you are aware of a stronghold, identify it, accept it and repent. 
But remember, repentance requires change. Ask God to help you to recognize and break the thought patterns that created the stronghold and use God's word to deflect the arrows of the evil one. Hold your thoughts captive to the word of God. Don't allow negative thoughts to take hold and don't entertain the lies. Good news is there are scriptures for every situation. And when we ask God, he can give us specific ones to hold in our hearts. And finally, fill your mind with whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's taken from Philippians 4 verses 8, verse 8. Find verses that help you to fight the lies of the enemy and hold them in your heart, ready and waiting to deflect those arrows as soon as you suspect they are coming. Claim your victory. In weakness, remember God is your very strength and his grace is sufficient for you. Even if you are blessed with not having any strongholds in your life, you're possibly still struggling a little with the present pandemic. But God gave us free will. Let me bring you back to the verse, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Last week, Randolph focused on our thoughts and he asked, what do you think about? If you listen to the news, the media are constantly looking for someone to blame in every situation. They're hoping to catch a politician out by asking direct questions so that later they can quote them and show that they were wrong. They're always asking, when will the pandemic be over? I don't know why, because it is clear that no one except God really knows. Everything feels very negative. But God gave us the right to choose. We can listen to all the bad news and get downhearted, or we can trust God and find a place of quiet acceptance and peace. But of course, life at the present time becomes like a microcosm. If we are lonely, it is intensified. If we are living with others, those relationships are more intense. If we're working from home, it is isolating and potentially more difficult with less support. And if we continue to, if we are continuing to work in key worker jobs, we are at risk of catching COVID. I want to bring us back to the idea again of renewing our minds. When we are born again, we are not suddenly all knowledgeable about God and the Bible. We need to learn, read and grow. That continues for a lifetime. And so does the renewing of our minds. Through reading and understanding God's word, we can learn how to find peace in the midst of the storm. We have choices. We can choose not to worry and let God be in control. 
That way we can find peace. We can choose to feel joy by counting our blessings and focusing on all that is good in our lives. When we feel weak, we can choose to rely and depend on God's strength. When we are sad, grieving or mourning a loved one, we can choose to call on the Lord and ask for his comfort. We are never alone and God is always waiting for us to come to him. In conclusion, when all around us is collapsing, there is still a place of peace, joy and hopefulness when we surround ourselves with the things of God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I believe God wants to encourage us this morning to cling to him and find that place of quiet peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge you as Lord and we thank you that we have many blessings in our lives. We pray for anyone who has a stronghold in their life that you would open our spiritual eyes and lead us to a place of understanding. Reveal your special scriptures to us that are a particular and personal defence for us against the evil one, that we may take them into our hearts and recite them whenever arrows fly. We pray for peace and joy to flood our lives simply because you are our God and more than able. We pray for comfort where comfort is needed and strength where there is weakness. Help each of us to choose to dwell on all that is good, to have a positive, hopeful attitude and to be sure to renew our minds daily. Thank you, Lord, that even as this world is struggling, we do not have to struggle. I pray that if any are struggling either material or spiritually, they would have the courage to reach out to the church members so we can help and support one another. And if anyone is lonely, let them say so, so we can bombard them with our love. We commit all of this into your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much um, for that inspiring message. I too have a premium bond, but no, the Lord has not provided me with the one million pound prize. If you've missed any of Anne's message, then can I remind you that if you do a search on YouTube for Hope Community Church West London, you'll be able to watch it again on YouTube. Randolph, um, would you like to pray for us for the uh, in the intercessory prayer, please? Are you available? I'm indeed. Thank you, Steve. Just before I pray, I'd just like to read a short scripture. As Anne just said, there's a scripture for every occasion. Just going to read from Hebrews 4, 
14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So as we pray together, let's understand that we have the confidence to approach God's throne because of our great high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has gone through the heavens and is now seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede on our behalf. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, that you are our God, you are our Father. Thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, who has indeed gone through the heavens and is seated at your right hand and who intercedes for us. Thank you that he speaks on our behalf. So, Father, we come with our petitions. We pray in faith that you may grant as we ask. Father, first of all, I'd like to pray for those who have been bereaved in the recent weeks. We remember Caroline and family, her brothers and her sister. Also the family of Iris, our dear sister, who's passed. And her children, David, Christine, the grandchildren and the rest of the family. Thank you, Father, that you are the God of all comfort. You are the father of compassion. So we bring these families before you. And I pray that your comfort, your grace, your mercy, and your presence will be with them. Thank you that they will turn to you in their time of need. Thank you that you're a gracious God. Thank you that you see us and you are mindful of us. So we just bring these families before you. Thank you, Father. We also pray for those who may be sick amongst us, those who are suffering from COVID and other ailments. We especially remember Karen and family, Andrew Martin and family. Also, Dwayne Lorna and family. Thank you, Father, that you will stretch forth your hand, you will touch each one. Thank you, Father, that you are our healer, and with the stripes of your son Jesus, thank you that we are healed. So, Father, may that balm of Gilead be our, just flow amongst us, May it be applied to each one of us. May we be restored. Thank you, Father. May each one feel your touch this morning. 
Thank you, Father, that we also want to pray for those of our brothers and sisters who live in lands where they are persecuted. We just lift them up to you this morning, that your hedge of protection shall be around them, that you shall deliver them, that you shall be their shield and their strong tower. Thank you, Father, that you never leave us alone. You are always with us. Thank you, Father, that your word is sent forth. Thank you, Father, that your word that we shall receive it this morning as Anna spoken. Thank you, Father, that it shall be like a balm. It shall be for our healing. It shall be a light and a lamp to our feet and to our path. Thank you, Father, that you have the answer for each of our requests. Thank you that Jesus is the yes and he is the amen. And all our, your promises are found in him. So we lift up all of our families, all those of our friends and all of our, in our community. Thank you that there shall be a, a great turn into you this day, that each one will find in you the answer to their problems, the answer to their healing, the answer to their questions. Thank you that Jesus shall be our all in all this day. Thank you, Father, for being with us, for ministering us to each one this day. May we find healing and restoration. May we find recovery. Thank you, Father, you're a good God and you love your children. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Randolph. Birthdays this week. Daphne, Elizabeth, Zora. Uh, 